Welcome to My Therapist is Out, an open space therapy collective podcast. We are your hub for queer and trans mental health care. Each episode, we'll speak with one of our therapists or collective members and chat about a mental health topic using a queer lens. And I am your host, Renee Johnson, licensed professional clinical counselor, art therapist, and founder of Open Space Therapy Collective. This week, we are chatting with therapist Kristen Crow. Kristen is a licensed professional clinical counselor in California and is a dance movement therapist. Kristen specializes in working with couples, poly and ethical non-monogamy, and sex therapy. As we dive in today's topic, please keep in mind that this is a mental health podcast. We will talk about sensitive and difficult issues that are not appropriate for all audiences. Please take care while listening. Okay, ready? (laughs) No, let's go. Great. Uh, Welcome to My Therapist is Out. This is an open space therapy podcast. Uh, I am Renee Johnson, and I have our therapist with us today, Kristen Crow. It's always so good to see you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Us? You and me. Oh, yes. You know what, today? Yeah. There might be multiple of me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So today we're talking about being unmotivated uh and just kind of stuck and my god have we all been there Mm -hmm. i feel like i'm there every day yeah i mean i think the biggest question that we get the most is like i i'm unmotivated to blank it does that mean i'm lazy Mm -hmm. um what's your take on that question no does not mean you're lazy (laughs) what does it mean Uh, I feel like it means a lot of different things. Um, But like, are we feeling unmotivated because you have a lot of other things going on? Are you feeling unmotivated because that's not actually what you want? Feeling unmotivated because you're stuck in some sort of trauma loop? Where are we? What are we doing? What are the things? Yeah. So many questions. Yeah. And there's so many spaces and you're 100% right. Like this, there is not just like, I'm unmotivated. So it means blank. Um, and I've never met somebody that is just lazy. Yeah. Also side note, like lazy is such ableist, uh, uh, language. That's the word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, yeah, throwing that in there early. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I mean, (sighs) unmotivated also is like, what standard are you putting expectations on yourself? And are those realistic? Like, if you're full able-bodied or not, if you have mental health stuff going on, if you have life circumstances going on, if you're overachieving usually and you've been trying to hit too high expectations for too long, are you just done and burnt out? Like so many levels of things in here Mm -hmm. that need to really be looked at. Yeah. I definitely think it goes back to the podcast episode that we did a little while back, I don't know what dates are anymore, but having enough spoons, like, is it because mm-hmm. you just have expended all of those things and you just need to rest? Is it because um, you suffer from internalized capitalism, like so many of us do, and you're like, quote unquote, hustle culture is what you're trying to follow. Um, you know, what is, what is your bar? What is this? What is this threshold you're trying to cross? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, one of the things that I think goes along with us being unmotivated is usually there's been goals that have been identified and somebody's having a hard time achieving them. 
um, and outside of talking to your amazing therapist, um, what are some ways or some things to explore for yourself on like, okay, I know what these goals are. Why am I having a hard time getting from point A to point B? Something I talk about um, with like my neurospicy clients specifically is like, is your goal too broad? <laughs> mm. Like, is it like I am sitting here at point A and I need to get to point Z and all I'm thinking about is getting to point Z, forgetting that there are 26 other steps to go through. And so like, if we break these down into smaller things, does that let your executive function kind of like kick in a little bit and be like, you know what? I can write that email Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead Mm -hmm. of like organizing this whole project. Right. Um, So sometimes I feel like just breaking it down and like not getting sucked into that overwhelm of like, it all has to be done. It all has to be done right now. And where do I start? Yes. That's so important. And that overwhelm is something that can shut anybody down really quickly is if you're like, the goal is so big that there's, it's being possible to go from A to Z and, but you can't get your focus to zoom out so you can look at all of the steps needed. I worked with this um, acupuncturist years ago and he said something that I has stuck with me for more years than I want to admit, but he's like, it is impossible to do for any human to do more than three to four things in a day. Like period. Like if you are going to work, then you can make a dinner and you can maybe do one other thing and that's it. And like tracking that, like if you're trying to do 50 things in a day and that is going from A to Z, it's never going to happen. And so that's not unmotivated. That's unrealistic ex- expectations. Mm-hmm. Definitely. My business coach told me something very similar, right? Like it's, um, how are you tracking the things that you have done? And like, are you acknowledging the things that you have done? Or are you just kind of stuck in the like, I can only see the things that I want that I cannot mm-hmm. currently have or grasp or can't get to or whatever. Um, but like, have you seen all the stuff that you've left behind and that you have accomplished? And then how do you kind of work with work with that piece of it? Yeah, which is brilliant because that's a great way to get motivation is to have some sort of tangible way to track the things that you have done and be able to celebrate those. Because mm-hmm. if it's just constantly a slog and it's not like, hell yeah, I got blank email out today, then why are you going to want to write another email if it's just always just a horrible thing you have to do all the time? Yeah, yeah. That celebration piece was drilled very deeply into my brain. (laughs) Do I keep it all the time? No, but (laughs) it's helpful. It's super helpful. I know at the end of the week, I always look back at my calendar because I put in tasks. um, And you know this about me, but I put in tasks in my Google calendar and I mark them off and like put them in the time that I did them. So at the end of the week when I'm like, oh my God, I got nothing done. This sucks. I'm able to look back and like, there's a huge calendar that's like, actually you did all of these things and there wasn't any more time for anything else. Yep. True. And 
you know, I do exactly the same thing, except you made fun of me the other night for having a whiteboard. (laughs) 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 I do not like to uh, just utilize my Google Calendar because it's hard for me to like go back and look at all of those things. If I have a visual representation of like, oh, this is what my month has looked like. That's why I feel so absolutely out of my mind is because I've done all of these things. No wonder you're tired. You can have a nap. Yeah. Right. Not that I need to earn those things, but these are the mental tricks that I have to play with myself for me to get rest. I'm working on it. I am a work in progress. Aren't we all? Yeah. But I think that's a really important thing is like, we are all are so quick to beat ourselves up for being tired or being quote unquote unmotivated or not able to do this next thing. And some of that is not looking back at everything that you've done, but also like what you have going on in that moment, like Mm -hmm. acknowledging that's actually not possible to do these five other things. It's not possible to not be tired right now. You've pushed yourself too much. Yeah. And I think that really important piece that you said about like beating yourself up, like if beating yourself up, shaming yourself and all of that was like helpful, wouldn't have worked already. (laughs) let's flip the narrative and try something else Mm -hmm. yeah I have a client who is really working on that piece right now and she she's very funny um but she'll constantly be like yeah but that piece that's beating me up sounds so logical and like is very convincing that it needs to beat me up and so getting in there and like understanding that voice a little bit differently and some tools to work with it. It's really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some things that you've done with clients or you do for yourself to help soften some of that self-punishment? I'll go back to The thing that my business coach taught me and that I actually do practice a lot with a lot of my clients is um, acknowledging like my past self. So Mm -hmm. if I do something towards a goal of mine and I see, so I did something yesterday and today I'm seeing the effect. I'll be like, hey, Kristen, hey, past Kristen, thanks for doing that thing yesterday because it got me here And I can see how future Kristen's also going to benefit from it. And it's this weird, like, externalizing it a little bit to, like, thank someone else. Because it's always sometimes it's hard to thank yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But also acknowledging that that is you. And you did make progress. And you did do a thing. And you are moving forward. And just seeing how you are taking care of yourself and setting yourself up for those successes, even if they're not super big and tangible things in, like, the outside scope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so important. Um, and like, I'll do that too with clients and also talk about future, future self is like, okay, what can you do now? And what's the self-care that you can do now? So future self isn't feeling completely burned out and exhausted and is stuck in a loop of beating themselves up. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we don't want to put that on people. And there's, there's a really helpful framing about like past Kristen and future Kristen that like takes it out of our own body enough that we can treat past and future selves a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Weird how present self gets beat up all the time. But <laughs> that's, 
Past and future. Well, I guess you berate past self a bit too, but future self, maybe not so much. Yeah. 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 It's a thing. So I think this is kind of in my ether right now. And Gayish just put out a podcast about the like overachieving queer stereotype, um, which is a great episode. Highly recommend to go and listen to it. Um, But when we are comparing ourselves to like all of our queer overachieving friends and we see them doing all of these things and achieving all of these things. And, but we are feeling like we're struggling to even send an email or get off the couch or do a thing. What do you feel like is happening in that place for somebody? Uh, I feel like you're going to get a dose of tough therapist, Kristen Love, but I'm going to look at your like emotional regulation, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like how many things are you trying to process, right? How much, um, how much are you storing in your body and not looking at and how much of your energy is going to like regulate yourself in that moment instead of moving yourself forward. And so what do you need to get to a stasis level that feels safe in order for you to take those steps because it's not that you can't do them in the realm of things it's that right now your body is prioritizing other things mm-hmm. yeah and are you like are you really fighting your own body to compare yourself to the small parts of your friends that you are seeing even though there's like 90% of their other world that you're not seeing Yeah. And also, yeah, exactly. Are you watching their stuff on social media that is specifically curated or (laughs) things like behind the scenes, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. How do you think the pressure to be overachieving as a queer person plays into feeling unmotivated? My initial thing goes to there are so many societal things to be like the quote unquote, like good queer. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like anything that perpetuates a stigma or anything is just an added layer of like, you have to be this overall exemplary human so people can overlook and accept the queerness or whatever frame of reference you have, right? That like, that is just so much more that you have to, you have to combat. So there is this level of like, okay, I have to do the things, but I'm also dealing with all of this stuff. And where do I have the energy to do all of this? Because just because you're trying to do those things doesn't mean you don't have your own real human things to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as framing it that way really like this your safety mechanism really can get triggered in here right like if it's like I need to be the perfect queer so I don't get beat up attacked dismissed whatever is all the happening things. all of the things like you're gonna be in like fight or flight in this overachieving space and is that what you're relying on to do anything is to be in that really activated survival space. Mm-hmm. And so what is that doing to like 
just your body in terms of energy consumption. Like if you go down to a biological level, like how drained and fatigued are your adrenals? Like are your adrenal glands? Like, do you have any more adrenaline to send somewhere else? Are you like, how are you doing all of this? How are you staying up all the time? Um, and how much pressure is that to just be the quote unquote perfect person? Mm-hmm. Like Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, as going back to kind of like what you were saying earlier about your nervous system, like if you have drained your adrenal glands so much that your nervous system is out of whack, you're also going to start having other health consequences coming out of this. And this isn't, we can dive deeper into this, um, but this may be a different episode is like this, this is how like traumas and maladaptive patterns turn into medical and physical issues. Yep. <laughs> All right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, and I think, I mean, you say that and I'm like, yeah, of course. But then I think about it. I'm like, well, wait, so many of my clients come to me because they're looking for a somatic based therapist and I have to do a lot of this explaining. So yes, uh, brain, like <laughs> some of these things need explaining. Thanks, ADHD. So, yeah, trauma gets stored in our bodies. These patterns get stored in our bodies. And our bodies have to learn how to adapt around them. And that is how we have learned to interact with the world. So when we talk about moving through the world, it's not always like your posture or your gait. Sometimes it's like the way you make interactions and connections with people, right? So how much extra information are you processing? Every single time you have one of these things, how much monitoring are you doing? How much of this, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's so much more tiring for queer folks, for people of color, for disabled folks. Like all of this, who is not the cishet white male presenting, <laughs> like, you know, uh, how all of that stuff just makes such a difference. And how much stuff your nervous system has to handle. You are on a higher alert to look for threats. You have to process microaggressions. You have to do all of these things to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that framing of like your body has has to learn how to move around these things because it brings up such a visual of such like a, a body in such a distorted position because there's so many things to move around. And of course, a body that's been put in a place where it's holding distortion for so long is going to get sick. Yeah, can. Totally can. So when clients come to me and they're like, I have severe back pain that started about the time of this trauma. And I'm like, Louis, look at that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but it's been years and it's fine. I think we should look mm-hmm. at that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so all of this, just to go back to like the original topic of like, no, your body needs more tools. Your brain needs more tools. It needs some support. It doesn't need to be shamed and berated. It needs 
regulation. What does healthy motivation look like? Because from this lens, this, this is like stress, fear, survival mode that people have been running on to be motivated, to be high achievers. What is it then that's a healthy way to motivate yourself? What does it even mean? Great question. <laughs> Um, I have all the answers, Kristen. <laughs> totally. Like, I don't know. I still work on that all the time. Um, I look for something, I mean, coming from someone who's got, you know, executive dysfunction issues and decision-making fatigue. Uh, I look for the thing that like, I'm genuinely excited to do. Um, and if it's a really big goal and it's something that I want, then I will look at all the steps and be like, okay, I have five things that need doing to get this thing done. Which one of these things sounds like it sucks the least? That one. Okay, I can accomplish that task. ADHD brain gets a dopamine hit. I can do another one. That was fun, right? Mm -hmm. So like, then I can do, then I kind of get that rhythm going. And when I'm done, I get to be like, oh. I got the thing that I wanted. I did the things. I feel really good. And so, but I didn't shame or berate myself to get there. It was like, which one of these things does body feel like it handles right now? Just mm -hmm. to kind of give myself a little kickstart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like building in those like dopamine kicks is also like what you were saying before and like the little rewards and celebrations along the way and like building those things in and like having that motivate you and give you energy um, where the berating and the comparisons and stuff take away the energy. Yeah, we get shamed and berated like enough out in the world. I don't think we need to do that with our own brains. No, definitely not. Yeah. So the other side of this that I think is a good thing to talk about in this space is we're just talking about queer stereotypes today. Um, is the queer stereotype of like your friends are the queer partiers and all they are doing is like being out and being social and like hooking up with everybody and going to the bar every night and, and, and running that life. And you are wanting to get out of that cycle and like being in that like queer nightlife party scene, but are feeling stuck there or stepping away from that to or having trouble being motivated to step away from that to go do whatever other life things that you're interested in how does like and this is a tricky one because it's you're motivated to go hang out but you realize that this isn't helpful for you to do it this much anymore but you're unmotivated to take steps away from it I want to be really snarky and be like, can't you just go from one stereotype to the other and go from like the partying <laughs> to the really, really successful one that we started with? <laughs> I had to come out of my mouth. Otherwise, yeah. I was not going to get useful thoughts. You got to say um, it. <laughs> I mean, those are, those are the only two queer ways of being. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Um, I can't get off of it now. Um <laughs> 
Hyperfixation. God, I had all the symptoms today. <laughs> anyway, really glad that this is all we're doing today. So, um, so feeling like you want to hang out, but also feeling like you want to go and achieve something that's different. And how do you not shun your friends and shun your community, but still make steps towards doing that? It sounds like it's a lot less about not being motivated and a lot more about being scared, about being mm. alone. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, this is a hypothetical, but I think you're sure. <laughs> right. Uh, but I think you're on. You're right on this on the nose because there's a lot of like finding your queer community is a really tough thing to do, and it takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And if you're at the place where you're changing and your life is changing, starting to spend less time with them can feel like rejecting them, even though it's not, and can feel like you're going to lose those connections that you have or those important relationships that you have. And that loss can be really scary, especially if you're coming from a place where you've already had to um, detach or really limit your family or friends that you grew up with or other people that have been in your lives in bigger ways that aren't anymore because of your identity. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's, it is, it is that, and that goes back to, I find, like, that emotional regulation piece. Like, mm -hmm. is that actually true that your friends will abandon you or you will abandon them? Like, yes, you'll spend less time, but what about the new spaces that you are stepping into? Like we, we grow and change as people and the people who I feel, I, I just, sometimes I find myself being this really existential. Like, I feel like you'll find the people that you're meant to be around mm -hmm. if you are entering the spaces that you are meant to be in. Hmm. Yeah. And it's often like those in-between spaces that can be really difficult when you're trying to be in two different spaces at once that can feel really lonely because you're not going to, or it's hard to attract the, attract the people that are going to be healthy and connect with you if you're not fully present. Mm -hmm. And that's why therapy is helpful. Um, <laughs> I'm terrible today. I'm sorry. So actually I'm not, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a scary space. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to negate that. And there might be people that you lose along the way. And I also feel like that's part of life and that's part of growing. And who knows also to be another stereotype, who knows who you might inspire Mm -hmm. of your friend group to be like, oh, they're taking really big steps. Like I was scared to do that, but I'll try it. I'll go mm -hmm. with them. 
right? Or your friends might surprise you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Are you pigeonholing these friends into they just want to be out and be social and that's that's their full identity? Or are you willing to open up those relationships and be like, hey, I'm thinking about writing this script. I've heard you write mention writing a few times. Do you want to like do some writing sessions together? Um, and like inviting for more expansive relationships with the queer family you have. And if they say no, that's fine. But like that that onus on like not letting the fear dictate how you view people and letting the like community building be the things that open that invitation and help you take those next steps. Mm-hmm. And what is the regulation for yourself that you need to be vulnerable to open mm-hmm. yourself up to those things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is like really deep, important work that we're mm-hmm. not going to have an answer for on a podcast. Cause that's impossible. That'd Sorry. be a really great podcast if you could just like <laughs> no. hear all the answers. Yeah, like, it, yeah, no, it's not. Sorry, no, because it looks different for everybody. It does, but it's important to pay attention to what's feeling regulated and unregulated. And if you don't know what that means yet, spending time figuring out what it's your experience of being regulated and unregulated feels like. Mm-hmm. Has that been a podcast episode? Because that feels important. Yeah, I think that's the one we should probably do. (laughs) We'll add it to the list. Yeah, because I definitely have had clients ask me, what does centered mean? Like, well, Mm -hmm. hmm, okay. What is, what's a takeaway or what's a helpful thing that in talking about this, and you've mentioned a few of them, that somebody could take moving forward, even if it's just a small, simple thing and like, okay, I'm going to work on paying attention to blank to check on motivation. What's a starting place? Part of me feels like the easiest access point is like finding something that you did as past you to set current future you up. Even if it's like, I remembered to set the coffee maker to make me coffee this morning. Great. Now you're mm-hmm. caffeinated for your day. You don't have caffeine withdrawals and you're like, I'm not going to bite anybody's head off because of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe because of something else, but not because of lack of caffeine. Right. So like, <laughs> Hey, thanks pastel for doing this thing. Or my mm-hmm. favorite one is from getting in my car and being like, Hey, past Kristen, thanks for putting gas in the car last night. <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of this morning. Right. Just, those little things, because I think that it shows you that you are making steps. And if it shows you that you can take care of yourself in those ways, it might be enough of a dopamine hit to do something to move you forward towards a different goal that isn't just basic life need. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, And, you know, strangers at the gas station hear you thinking your past self. Yeah. It'll at least get somebody else giggling for the day. I definitely do most of it in my head, but <laughs> I, I'm not opposed to this idea. 
um, to end the podcast, what is a what is a motivation queer moment of joy for you in the past in the past week as somebody who is a uh, high achieving queer? <laughs> um, this might sound kind of backwards, but asking for help has been one. Yeah, like, or actually, I have two. It's asking for help and setting a boundary. Hmm. And that reminded me that I could take care of myself so I can get through this period of stuff that's kind of hard in regular life. And I can keep doing the things when I get back in my brain. Yeah. What about you? Um, I am went to bed on time last night. So I could get up and take the dog for a walk this morning. And so that was a very like, thank you, Pastor Renee. So I can be motivated to take the dog for a walk this morning. And I like felt so proud of myself, um, even though it was a million degrees somehow at like 9 a.m. Uh, yeah, that was definitely a moment this morning that it was like, yes, okay, we're back. We can do this. We can go to bed and wake up again. Mm-hmm. That was a big one. Yeah, and I'm sure your dog was quite happy that he got a walk <laughs> instead of laying in yeah. the dirt patch. He does love that dirt patch, man. It's it's out of control. Hey, all of my past dogs have like dirt patches. It's just cooler. <laughs> it's cooler and they get to be dirty. Yeah. What more could you ask for? Honestly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much always for talking about this. These are like really um, enriching conversations to have with you um, and really important things to continue to examine even as people who talk about this stuff a lot. It's true. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you. You got it. Uh, You can hear more of us and our other OSTC collective members um, at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and you can find and follow us um, on all the social medias. So we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. If you're in California and looking for a therapist, visit our website at openspacetherapycollective.com and book a free intro call with one of our therapists. If you're enjoying My Therapist Is Out, please rate, review, and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. My Therapist Is Out is an Open Space Therapy Collective podcast. Our therapists are Renee Johnson, Kristen Crow, Debbie White, Jenny Nigro, and Tara Friedman. Our podcast editing is done by Smash and Grab Studio. We'd love to hear from you about today's topic, so you can email us at info at openspacetherapycollective.com. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at My Therapist Is Out and Open Space Therapy Collective. Thanks for listening.